Hello there and welcome to the BNP Paribas Wealth Management Voice of Wealth podcast. I am Edmund Shing, Global CIO of BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Today we're going to talk about the real estate market and today I am joined by our real estate guru, Maxime Juret. There are opportunities today post-lockdown in the global real estate market. We feel that the pandemic and the subsequent end of lockdowns now today provides opportunities for investors in the real estate market in a number of areas. Consumption is coming back. A number of equity sectors that were hit hard by the pandemic, such as travel and leisure and retail, have rebounded very strongly. Listed real estate, REITs, are coming back. And we believe there are still opportunities for investors today in the real estate market to take advantage of. What I wanted to do with you, Maxime, is to go look at a few segments of the real estate market and delve into them to see how attractive they are relative to each other. So let's start with the first group, which I call more like defensive growth. And those are, of course, the residential and logistics sectors. These sectors in particular have held very well during the pandemic and are still performing well as we exit lockdown. But how do you feel about residential and logistics real estate today, Maxime? I think what you, you have stressed is very right, meaning that both residential and logistics sectors have performed very well, uh, have been very resilient during the COVID-19 period. So what I mean is that COVID-19 had no effect on these two sectors, or I would say that the effect has been very positive. The drivers were, were positive for both residential and logistics before the COVID-19. And I think COVID-19 has confirmed the positive momentum on these two sectors. So I think residential has proved to really be a safe haven uh, during the COVID-19. It means that everything that investors were looking for in the residential sector have proved to be accurate. It has been very secured. The leases have been paid. So it, it has been very efficient during that period. And what is, it is true is that given the large amount of liquidity in the market, the price have been very strong during that period. There is now a built for rent strategy, which means that they are trying to deploy more capital into the subsectors. And obviously, this got a positive impact on the prices. Maybe one thing that we should keep in mind, though, is the fact that all the residential sector is not performing uh, the same. Today, I would say that we are more positive, first of all, on what we call gateway cities or cities just near these gateway cities. So this concept is very simple. If we look at Europe, it will be all the cities where you get transportation, education, culture, and so where you get a lot of young people willing to live in that city. So it's a very important demographic momentum. The second thing is that we are seeing even more momentum for what we call affordable housing. We consider that prices are quite expensive. And so we consider that the, I would say, opportunity in the residential sector is more on the affordable part of the market. So that's for what we call the bed part of the bed and shed strategy that lots of investors and asset managers are trying to implement. For the shared part of this strategy, i.e. the logistic part, this sector has also been very active and very dynamic during the COVID-19. Even though the penetration of e-commerce was already in the market before the COVID-19, there has been in a number of countries a kind of shift towards more consumption via internet, 
And obviously, this trend, as a consequence, needs more uh, logistics space. So today, logistics is one of the subsector of real estate, if not the one which is the most sought after by investors. And the second thing is that when you look at cap rates of this subsector of real estate, it is not quite expensive when you look at stabilized assets. So it might be a good idea to look for a little bit more dynamic strategies into logistics, meaning that you can try to develop, you can try to restructure some uh, industrial or light logistic uh, spaces to capture a little bit of momentum in terms of performance. And all that needs to be done, obviously, with the, with the good partners. Now, we've heard from our clients a lot of worries over the, in quotes, death of the office because of the rise of remote working. What do you think? The, the first part is whether the office sector is changing and will change in the near future. To that question, I mean, my answer is definitely yes. The office sector will be impacted by COVID-19. It is already impacted. But as you were saying, as I would say a second part of my answer, I would tell you that it does not mean at all that the office sector is dead. I just think that it means that the office sector will change. First of all, I think that the location is very important. When we look at some corporation trying to find some capacity in some gateway cities in Europe, we can speak of Paris, but we can also speak of London, of Berlin, of Madrid, of Milan. What we see is that the level of rents are actually not cheaper than they were before the COVID-19. But this level of rent is only achieved when you are really into prime location, when you are in a kind of quasi-perfect assets, which means that you need to be very near a transportation hub. You need to be in a good location. So what I mean by that is that there will clearly be losers and winners in this new paradigm, I would say, of the office sector. The office will change of use. The office will be a kind of an ambassador of a corporation. You will get more training spaces. You will get more brainstorming spaces. And you will get less and less of this open space where people working. I wanted to ask you a question about perhaps the segments of the commercial real estate market that have been hit hardest during lockdowns. And those are the retail, student housing, and also the hotel segments. Now, those three, with lockdowns and lack of travel and uh, students really going home as opposed to staying in halls of residence, have been hit very hard. Which of those three segments would you prefer today, Maxime? Well, I would tell you an hotel and student housing and clearly not retail. We think that retail has actually been hit before the COVID-19. There were actually already some e-commerce penetration into that field. And we think that COVID-19 has been a period where actually everybody has increased consumption, which, which has been made through the internet. Here again, I could be totally wrong to tell you that retail is dead. The focus on food and cold supermarket, which has, has been obviously very resilient during the COVID-19 because they were all open and they've been part, I would say, of the primary needs of all the population in all the countries. But we would also prefer the kind of outlet, you know, which can be accessed, I would say, outside the shopping centers. So we consider that retail is clearly one of the subsectors which has been hit the hardest. 
but we also think that the long-term drivers are not positive to that uh, subsector. I think that there will be one moment where we, we would feel that the price of these assets is the good price. But today, I would say that we have not any visibility yet to say that the equilibrium uh, has been reached. Most of the funds in which we invest uh, are not playing uh, retail recovery uh, in the four to five years to come. Now, when you look at the two other subsectors of real estate, which, which have been hit uh, quite hard by the pandemic situation, i.e. student housing and hotel, yes, it is true. We think that there has been a, a short-term dislocation due to the COVID-19 for these two uh, subsectors. But we consider that the long-term drivers are still very positive. So for hotel and for student housing, we are actually very optimistic. We consider that there is a dislocation right now, which actually might be a good opportunity to enter with a little bit of discount in terms of price. But on the long term, we are very optimistic. Okay, so there is some value there, but maybe not so much on the retail segment, at least not at the moment. Looking at real estate and its position within a diversified investment portfolio now, I mean, my observation from the sort of strategy angle is that in a world where sovereign bonds and even corporate credit offer very little in the way of actual yields, real estate then looks quite attractive because on average, commercial real estate offers something like 3% more than the bond yield. Pretty attractive. Now, on top of that are the inflation hedging characteristics of commercial real estate. In general, in the past at least, real estate has been a good hedge to moderate levels of inflation. You haven't lost out. A, Do you still believe that's going to be true? And B, what do you consider the best ways for investors to get some exposure to real estate within their diversified portfolio? Well, Edmond, I would say first that uh, for sure, when you are trying to, to build a diversified portfolio, you should get some real estate. So we think that the best way of, of getting a long-term positive trend in terms of performance with a reasonable uh, level of risk into a given portfolio is actually to diversify the different belongings. Real estate is quite central. Where I think you are totally right is eventually, I mean, what type of real estate you should get into a portfolio. Is it a good timing now to actually increase or build that uh, exposure to real estate? So first of all, the key word is, is diversification and diversification on the long term. So what I would say is that it's interesting today to build a kind of core exposure to real estate. I think having, you know, stabilized assets, would it be directly or through investment funds, make you capture the spread that you have described between the risk-free rate and the real estate yield today? And honestly, I think real estate is the only sector today where you can get that level of spread with a volatility regarding private real estate, which is quite low or at least reasonable and acceptable. It means that if you want at one stage to get a product offering you an important spread compared to risk-free rate, I think real estate is a, is a good candidate. You can also look at more dynamic strategies, value-add or opportunistic strategies, and we are typically offering this type of strategies to our clients through investment funds, which invest for four to five years into some uh, real estate assets. D- these funds with the more dynamic strategies are interesting because they are not just 
waiting for the yield of a given asset. They are not just waiting for the real estate market as a whole to perform. They are also transforming the assets which have been bought. They restructure the asset. They developed some new assets. When you look at the office sector today, there will still be offices, you know, in, in five years' time, in 10 years' time. The only thing is that the office will be a little bit different than what they used to be from an env environmental point of view, from a digital point of view, but also from what the office will offer to all the employees. And typically, the more dynamic strategies I am referring to, why they are interesting, they are interesting because they actually buy some very ancient buildings. And the strategy is to, to make sure that there will be very modern buildings answering all the needs of the companies and of their employees. So I think they are creating some value at the asset level. And, and I think it's very important to get that kind of exposure to funds which are transforming assets and making sure that the new environment is actually, that the buildings will, will totally fit, I would say, this new environment. One of the reasons on the long term why we think that real estate is very important for, for our clients, because we consider that, that it is a hedge against inflation. So not a perfect hedge, of course, but it is a hedge against inflation for two reasons, actually. First one is that most of the leases in real estate are indexed to inflation or proxy of inflation. Uh, and so that's a way to hedge things. The second thing is that normally when you get inflation, it means that you get economic momentum. And if you get economic momentum, you know, in all the liberal economies, normally the price of real estate uh, in, in terms of rental price, I mean, will go up. And that's what we've seen typically in the U.S. for logistics or light industrial portfolio. These rental prices are, are not in the U.S. automatically, I would say, indexed. But, but what we have seen is that every time these prices have been renegotiated, because there is today inflation in the U.S., because actually the economy is rebounding very fast and, and very strong, we've seen that all the renegotiation on, on light industrial or logistic portfolio in the U.S., on investment funds on which we are investors, have progressed very well. So I think that it's also a way actually to be hedged against inflation because real estate will, will actually uh, benefit uh, from that uh, economic um, uh, recovery. I do think that real estate is an excellent way to capture the economic recovery in progress and the growth because the growth will drive demand. Overall, I think what we agree on, Maxime, you and I, is that in a diversified portfolio, and certainly long-term investors should really consider real estate to be quite a core, I would say, quite a core holding in their portfolios for this sort of mixture of decent yields, inflation hedging, and I think long-term growth. I think those three elements make real estate as an asset class quite attractive to a long-term investor. Thank you very much for your vision and your, your answers today, Maxime. I think that's been hopefully been very helpful to you, the audience. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to getting you to tune in to the Voice of Wealth podcast again next week. <laughs>